Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. How are you doing this week, Adam? I'm doing great. Uh, I shouldn't a, say this week. It's We're releasing these twice a week. That's that's a silly thing for me to say. Well, strike it from the record. <laughs> we have that kind of power. We can make each other say whatever we want. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing great, though. It's Sunday morning. I'm in the basement of my home, a home I share with my wife. Yeah. I've uh, I've had to escape and come down here to record the program. I spent all morning watching Star Trek episodes. Is this what it's like to be a single man? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm married, but my wife has been out of town a lot lately. So uh, this now she's back. So this ep- this episode uh, I am recording while my wife is is here with me in the apartment. I am oh no squir- squirreled away up in the up in the lofted area. So she's listening to a one sided conversation. Yeah, bless her heart. Wow, she's. She's amazing. I I can't believe that. Uh, my wife could not stand to be in the house or the state. Even uh, she's on she's on a trip to California, so she's not even here. She's and, uh, she's a wise woman. You know, like the uh, the project of this show made me think of that John Hughes quote. Are you familiar with uh, with what he said about the hardest thing about being a writer is convincing your wife that lying on the sofa is work. <laughs> and the hardest part of having a, a podcast about Star Trek is convincing my wife that watching Star Trek is work and talking about it is work. Watching I don't think she'll ever come around to that. 1988 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got a doozy this time around, though. Home soil. Season, Season one, one, episode seventeen. Correct. Uh, so, uh, the Enterprise is, I think they're out doing some other stuff, but they're close enough to this terraforming colony on Valara 3, and uh, communication's been a little spotty with this colony, and uh, so they, they're they going to go poke their heads in and check it out. Uh, it's not a Starfleet project, but it is a Federation project, and uh, they get on the, on the radio, and there's a little bit of silence until... Uh, the director Kurt Mandel uh, pops on FaceTime, and uh, he's, you know, he's kind of blustery, and you know, wants to get off the phone as as soon as he got on it. Uh, basically, tries to blow him off, and and Troy keeps kind of whispering to Picard like he's hiding something. Yeah, he he's not want- like most old people when you get them on the phone and they just <laughs> like they just want to talk for hours. This they, one they don't have any off switch, yeah. So you can tell something's up just based he's on no that alone. my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's no all grandpas. Uh this sort of uh interchange did make me wonder kind of how the microphones work on the bridge because the first time Troy leans over and whispers in Picard's ear, it's like it's like he's hiding something, which is kind of her typical thing that she says about somebody that is on the view screen. And then they have another like little interchange, and then 
she leans over again and Picard hits something to like mute his audio. And so I want, I sort of wondered like, are they implying that she, like the first thing that she said was audible to him or was her voice low enough that he wouldn't have heard it? Like, how does that work? Did I lose you? Hello? No, I'm, I'm here. I'm just trying to come up with any kind of answer for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can usually participate in a, in a, in a piece of minutia like that, but I'm just totally stumped. I don't know. I mean, and you'll see this, you'll see this all the time. Like Picard will be FaceTiming with someone and then he'll turn around and go like mute communication. But wouldn't the other person have heard him say the words mute the communication? Yeah. I think this is another example of that. There are a lot of things about how communication works in Star Trek that doesn't ever really get explained. Like if, if you're on the bridge and you say Riker to Lieutenant LaForge, like no matter where he is on the ship, Lieutenant LaForge is hearing Riker to Lieutenant LaForge. But that's not going out on PA for everybody to hear. It's like the ship is anticipating who he wants to send a message to somehow. Well, there's a couple of things at play. Like, I don't think you can just walk around saying Riker to LaForge. I think you have to stop if you're walking. You have to stop (laughs) in place. Yeah, you do have to stop walking. (laughs) That's step one. Stop walking. (laughs) Step two, you need to look upward. That is That, I think, is critical. Yeah, yeah. Once the computer sees that you've stopped... And that you're looking Not like upward. up, up, but your eyes, your eyes have to be higher than eye level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a uh, maybe like a. a you're playing to the back angle. row. Yeah. And the and the computer's going to detect this. I mean, it, it knows what everyone's doing at any given point. So the computer's yeah. going to see Riker. He's stopped in a hallway. He's looking up. I think that's the point where it starts recording. Maybe, may, yeah. Maybe his his if it, if he tilts his hips in in just such a way. The computer knows he's trying to reach Deanna Troy. If uh, if he kind of lets his voice drop a little <laughs> if, bit, if he starts it, thrusting, it, he's talking can, to Deanna. Yeah, it, it, if if he drops his voice a little bit, the ship knows he's trying to talk to Worf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you'll find. I think you could probably count on one hand how many conversations happen while someone's walking. Never happens. Yeah, it's a. Uh, Strange, strange little part of the Star Trek universe. I think we solved that mystery just by talking it out. Yeah, it's good job. Good. good job, us. <laughs> Shove it up your ass, mission log podcast. <laughs> yeah, seriously, God, I would, I'd really be curious how many people listen to both Mission Log and this. I bet yeah. that I bet those Venn diagrams has like one circle in one spot, and the other circle is like across the street. Yeah, there is no overlap. Yeah, Mission Log is a very serious Star Trek podcast that whenever somebody mentions our show on the internet, people go, well, actually, there's already a show that does that, and it's this. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's the most tired thing we see in any comments about our show. It's sort of like uh, how any mention of Wesley is followed by the boy. <laughs> any mention of the greatest generation is followed by some guy talking about Mission Log. So great. We know about Mission Log. Congratulations. If you like your Star Trek serious and unfun, go help yourself. If you'd like an 18-page academic research paper on this program in podcast <laughs> form, that's the one for you. If yeah. you want a bunch of dick jokes... This is your show. <laughs> we got him. We got him in spades. <laughs> uh, yeah.
this is a uh, this is going to be our uh, our Tupac Biggie yeah this Star is our Trek hit podcast up. war yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what you would God the thing is we aren't both on the same coast you're East Coast and I'm West Coast so it isn't a coastal thing it's not a coastal thing when it came to the Star Trek podcast wars but do you want to be the Biggie bloodshed. or do you want to be the Tupac we could just choose which rapper we're affiliated with, and then we can make them the other. Oh, I am in Brooklyn, so I think that that obviously I'm Biggie. Because I'm in Seattle, I want no part of Macklemore, <laughs> so I will gladly take Biggie uh, as my guy. So, fine. You could, it's Biggie. You could be the Butts guy. What's that guy's name? Oh, the Butts guy. Uh, you're talking about uh, uh, the I like big butts, and I cannot lie. Yeah. What's that guy's name? I can't believe I'm blanking on that. Oh my god, this is this is going to require some heavy editing. <laughs> Sir Mixalot. Sir Mixalot. You know, uh, a story came out in the Seattle paper recently where uh, Sir Mixalot changed his cell phone number, and some <laughs> rando got his old one. And the shit that came through on that phone number was as you would expect. Yeah. Just booty calls. Oh, man, so many butts. Party invitations? Yeah, people constantly wanting to party with him. People constantly wanting to show him their boobs. People telling him that their posse is on Broadway? Just, I don't know why you'd get rid of all that. He had to start all over. He was getting too many uh, butt shots. (laughs) I mean, I I guess there's something to be said for turning over a new leaf or terraforming your cell phone. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's, wow, that's... That's a championship transition right there. I was trying to get us back into the episode, and I, I, I really regret it. I feel like Mission Log is probably the podcast that you should be listening to. I'm sorry, everybody. If you like professional broadcast quality transitions, by all means, <laughs> go check out Mission Log. Do if they you, actually do that, or is it? I don't even. I haven't really listened to the show. I haven't been able to me. get past the first three minutes before falling asleep. <laughs> Do yeah. not listen to that show while you're driving, everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very dangerous. Consult your physician. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want, if you want transitions that sound like someone falling down the stairs, uh, <laughs> this is your show. Welcome. You're among friends. You will respond to my questions. I am Lacutus aboard. You aboard. Anyways, Mendel is getting a little panicky, and that's all the reason that Picard <laughs> needs to send an away team down to see what the fuck is going on at this terraforming station on Valara 3. And uh, the image of the surface is amazing. Like, they they cut to the structure and the map behind it, and yeah. they probably spend less time on this image than any other that we've seen up until now. It looks like... You remember... Uh, you remember the 8-bit video game boxes that Nintendo games used to come in and they were yeah. like three-color treatment? Yeah, yeah. That's what this looks like. <laughs> it's real yeah. bad. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, so anyways, um, the the team is met by a babelicious babe who is a terraforming... I think she's like a terraforming designer. She does something sort of downstream in the process from what most of the others do but she's personable and takes them on a little tour of the facility shows them what terraforming is uh for those who don't know it's the process of taking a planet that is inhospitable to human life and changing its environment to be more earth-like uh 
Can we assume that the Genesis project was a failure at this point? Because (laughs) that seems like the way that they would do it if it it were successful. Right. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess... I guess they they decided that the Genesis the Genesis bomb was too fucking dangerous. Because hmm. uh, I mean, you know, it fell into Klingon hands that one time, right? Or That's no, right. I guess it was Khan Khan shot it at that planet, right? I guess if if your if your terraforming device can be used as a weapon, I guess that's a reason not to use it. Yeah, uh, which uh, you know, this this episode has similar themes in in certain ways. They give this engineer like. 20 minutes to discuss uh, what terraforming is i was i was shocked that that she got to go she got to go over the terraforming story beginning to end it was like the, the beginning to jurassic park yeah yeah i'm in your blood <laughs> first we take a planet that's dead and cold i'm sad i don't have any life on me oh are these uh autoerotica no 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 these are real scientists <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite joke in jurassic park nobody ever talks about how that guy says yeah. are these auto erotica yeah <laughs> <laughs> i need life to make me happy <laughs> first we take the belt and then we put it around our neck <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a belt you can use a plastic bag like dry cleaning comes in <laughs> <laughs> the other scientists there are I will describe as bald guy and mullet guy and they are Oh man, can we <laughs> We're going to make this hair cast again. Yeah, yeah. Bjorn Benson's cast. power mullet is amazing. It yeah. is it's like a bike helmet stuck to the back of a bike helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and I got so excited my voice cracked during that description. <laughs> But a uh, bald guy wanders into the drilling room, uh, which has like a an automatic laser in it, and he's off screen for about forty five seconds before we start hearing him scream. And uh, you know, Riker and Data and Jordy all run over to uh, see what's going on. And it's they... the sort of screaming you only hear behind the door of a holodeck when Riker's yeah. inside. <laughs> Can you open it? It's jammed. Mendel can't get the door open, but when they finally do, uh, it's clear that the scientist guy has been uh, fragged by this drilling laser. Yeah, he's smoking on the floor. Yeah, and um, they're still not even sure if they can get into the room because the laser might be active. Finally get it powered down. Yar uh, runs in headlong, beams up with the body to sickbay, and... uh, and uh, they're they're pretty freaked out. They're pretty shaken by this whole this whole sitch. Yeah, it's a it's a scene of robot murder. Yeah, and uh, and they don't know like like who was controlling the laser or what was controlling the laser. And uh, this uh, this sort of turns into like a cool like detective episode. Like Picard kind of determines a series of things that he wants looked into. Starts delegating tasks. Data. I want you and Jordy to return for more careful inspection. What are we to look for, sir? Evidence of tampering, negligence, sabotage, whatever. The answer's there on the planet. Tasha, I want you to provide Council Troy and me with complete personnel records of our three guests. Psych profiles, training, everything. I'm looking for motive, intent, the psychological capacity to commit one murder to attempt another. Aye, sir. Seems we are becoming detectives, number one. 
it's a real detective story without any of the ridiculousness of Data dressing up like a uh, Sherlock Holmes guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's one of the great benefits of, of him playing it straight is uh, you don't get that smirking pipe situation <laughs> that you got from him a couple episodes ago. Yeah. So they start this investigation, and uh, wouldn't you know it, they recreated the situation that caused that uh, that murder to begin with. So Data's in the laser room, hitting the buttons, setting things up again. Yeah. And uh, and shit starts going crazy again. Yeah, the, the door, door slams shut. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's hilarious is is Data's, Data's talking to Jordy from behind the door, telling him that the laser's trying to kill him. Yeah. And Jordy's like, it's not working again. Like, <laughs> you remember that thing that happened five minutes ago that killed the other dude? The exact same thing is happening. Wouldn't <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, it? Yeah, Jordy, when, I know. <laughs> when you do the exact same thing two times in a row, the exact same outcome happens. It's bizarre. Yeah. So Very Data strange. uses his, his super speed to dodge the laser, but it turns out uh, the laser is learning. And uh, he finally basically tears the laser off the ceiling to yeah. disable it, and the door opens. Yeah, and, and the uh, mullet guy is like, dude, what the fuck did you do to my laser? Yeah, he's the one, he's pissed off about the laser, whereas they almost lost the one-of-a-kind robot person uh, yeah. to the laser. So I think his, uh, I think his priorities are a little messed up. I kind of wish Jordy would have backhanded him for that little comment. Uh, Jordy's like, what soft, are you, nuts? Yeah, Jordy's, Jordy's way kinda... soft. <laughs> He's not going to do He's that. He's a nice guy. Nice guy's finished last. Data could have just punched his head off. You ever think about that? Yeah. Like how he oh. could basically tear anyone limb from limb? Yeah. He's, He's really the velociraptor of the show. Yeah. Just imagine if he can learn to open doors. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have had to dodge that laser. Yeah, it's true. Uh <laughs> But uh, everybody clears out but Jordy and Data, and they're, like, looking around this room, and uh, Data notices something down one of the shafts that this drilling laser has been boring, and uh, that is enough to have him call over Jordy, and Jordy uses his supervisor sight on this thing and is totally blown away. He, Like, I, I love Jordy's reaction in this scene. Jordy. I need some visual assistance. Whoa. What is it? Basically, he's looking down a well at a single Christmas light. <laughs> so he really sells it. Yeah. Well, he does sell it because he's like, it's like music. It's, you know, there's complex rhythms and different wavelengths and stuff. I yeah, mean, he's seeing a lot of things that we can't see. Yeah. He, he took a tab of acid before he headed to the transporter room. My love is a A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. 
That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Not knowing what this thing is, but suspecting it may be, uh, may be a part of the of the story of what's going on with this terraforming station. They beam it up to the medical lab on the Enterprise, and Dr. Crusher and Data do some analysis on it that sort of starts to indicate that this is a non-organic life form. It's a silicon-based life form. And it's like, it, I thought that this was actually pretty in, w- well done and interesting. Like they kind of arrive at this as a hypothesis and, and then they like, they spend like several plot points gathering more data on it before they're totally sure that it is a life form. Yeah. You get a, a description of the scientific method there. If you didn't know it before, like they're, yeah. uh, they're pretty informative about that. And it's like too late. It's, it's too late to do anything about it. Cause it like, by the time they're like totally sure it's pretty powerful. And 
And I thought that that was like, I feel like that's kind of science works like that sometimes, you know, you're like, you can't just like come off half cock drawing some crazy conclusion like this. But by the time they're confident enough to say for sure, this thing has divided and divided again until there's several of these molecules and it's essentially a computer intelligence that is naturally occurring. I mean, we're praising how the crew has scienced the shit out of this, uh, out of this situation. But, I mean, they did take something they didn't understand and beamed it on board the ship. Like, in, yeah. one, in one of, in another example of just great security protocol. <laughs> yeah, and then when the quarantine beam didn't work on it the first time, they didn't just immediately beam it back off the ship. They sure. were like, well, I guess the quarantine's not not going to work. We'll just quarantine the whole section of the ship. Yeah. Is there anything they're doing in that lab that they couldn't do in that piece of garbage station down on the surface? (laughs) I mean, the Uh, laser is already destroyed most of it. Why not just do the test down there? Seems safer. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. They're, they're doing this test and it and it and they slowly come to realize that you know by some measure this qualifies as a life form it doesn't check all the boxes of life but it checks enough of them to where they're right. they're willing to believe that it's a life form right and and probably this planet should not have been zoned for terraforming by the uh the zoning board of of the federation council because they're supposed to like completely establish that a planet is dead barren and won't ever support life before they start this process right and picard really like gives mandel the what for about this like basically climbs all over the the conference room table you know basically accusing him of going forward with the terraforming knowing that life was there and and it's a lot of fun for mandel to like resist these accusations because he obviously was a traveling vaudevillian before he became the leading scientist in terraforming (laughs) (laughs) he is so arch yeah, he really is. He was, he was a, a a Bond villain, right? This actor? He was, yeah. You know, if you see a character actor in any of the first couple seasons of this show, and they're like just sort of barrel-chested, anonymous, <laughs> uh, anonymous dudes, you can bet that they were in a James Bond movie at some point. Absolutely. What do you mean a life form? What life form? Federation of Recon Expedition Certified Velara 3 Lifelets understandable given this particular life form's novel nature what is that nature dr crusher is still making her determination mr mandel you know the prime directive are you saying that unknowingly defied it it's fun to watch he's definitely doing a different kind of acting than everybody else on the show though (laughs) it's like i resist all of your accusations sir i really enjoyed the uh the sweatsuits that they wore yeah, they were like uh, they were like gray Russell Athletic sweat sweatsuits with like a big belt around them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that like w- whatever the terraforming equivalent of Starfleet is, their uniform is like. I feel like it was like teal on the back and gray on the front. Also, they're a real weird color combination. Yeah, they really let themselves go down on that planet surface. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except for the babelicious babe, she stayed babish. Yeah, speaking of uh, of the babe, she's pretty distraught over the whole idea of of possibly terraforming over a life form. Like, 
like she's really troubled by it and emotional. And so, uh, so Riker and Troy are talking about it. Troy's yeah. like, you know, Riker asked Troy, you know, maybe you should go and talk to her. And Troy, <laughs> Troy looks at Riker is like, and is like, you might do better than I. <laughs> it's such a like such basically a saying scene. Basically, like, she's like, uh, I think she wants to fuck you. Maybe you'd have better luck talking to her than me. Why don't you go see what happens? So yeah. uh, Riker goes into her uh, her quarters to do some diplomatic relations. She, she essentially six Riker on this poor woman. Yeah, and Riker walks right in. The door's unlocked. Again, the door's unlocked. And comforts her, tells her that, uh, that it's not her fault. So Riker basically goodwill huntings her into, <laughs> into believing that... Uh, it's not her fault. She had no idea. She couldn't have known that, that this Christmas light was a life form. It's ultimately kind of a disappointing scene because she is a little too upset to, to get down with with Riker. And, uh, he, you know... That usually he's, doesn't happen. He's a sexual animal, but he's not... He's not... He's not a monster. He's not a monster. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he takes off before any kind of smooching take goes down and... Uh, I thought that was a nice move on his part. He let her let her deal with her grief. So meanwhile, like the doctor and Data discovered that yeah, the crystal's pretty much alive. They hundred percent alive. Yeah, they know it at this point. And the crystal, go figure, doesn't really like the humans that have yeah. uh, captured it and enslaved it on the ship. And it manages to connect to the universal translator and start. It starts talking shit. <laughs> the, its opening its opening salvo is ugly bags of mostly water. He. It, it it like literally leads with fuck you you're ugly <laughs> <laughs> pretty great yeah i think the uh, the lights are able to interface with the computer uh with just a simple usb connection <laughs> usb powered christmas lights yeah are you sure it wasn't a thunderbolt cable <laughs> i don't know i don't know but i think this is a this is another effect that is not helped by the hd uh reimagining of the show because you can straight up see uh the mount of the lights in yeah. frame. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, they could have cleaned it up a little bit better, I feel like. So anyways, they uh, this thing is getting more and more dangerous and starts to mess with ship systems. They attempt to beam it off, and it, and it dis- dispels the transporter beam just as it dispelled the confinement beam earlier. And uh, they realize they're up shit creek because this thing is justifiably really mad. This terraforming process has been killing these life forms under the surface of this planet. Yeah, it's, and, it's uh, been a Christmas light holocaust down there for as long yeah. as the terraforming team's been. So Picard has to put on his diplomat hat and talk this this entity into not killing them, essentially. <laughs> and uh, I think Troy helps. Uh, you know, this this entity has been calling them ugly the whole time and... Troy says that the crystal is beautiful to them. All life is beautiful to them, which uh, is, a, is a sweet sentiment and may go some way toward smoothing over the uh, the misunderstanding. They they say this right before turning down the lights, right. to, uh, to show it it uh, to show it that they mean business. Yeah, so they they realize that some of the compounds in this thing indicate that it is photoelectric so if they turn off the lights it's gonna start to lose power and the second they they dim the lights this this thing is like begging for mercy crying uncle in its uh, crazy stilted language more light please only if you will talk to us 
It sounds like the Universal Translator is a little bit of a CNSA device. <laughs> like, the yeah. ship's computer sounds like a sophisticated voice. It's Major Barrett, you know, like, talking like a normal person. But right. the Universal Translator is, I guess, quite a few generations behind in that respect. Yeah, well, I wonder, like, because when they, when they talk to biological aliens or uh, organic aliens it doesn't have this problem so maybe it's just because it's like such a different way of life that uh their communication is challenged but this thing definitely like it sucks at talking <laughs> <laughs> but they aren't going to tell it that no or they're also not going to tell it that they've just they've taken to calling it the micro brain <laughs> yeah again <laughs> not nice yeah a wildly insulting thing to call a species that you just discovered that you didn't think was even theoretically possible but anyways once the lights are down the thing is begging for mercy and they say like listen we don't want to harm you we just want to end this war we're not going to fuck with your planet anymore it was a total mistake we didn't know that you were alive we're going to beam you back down and we're going to like put a quarantine up around this planet and the life form not really having any any other option agrees to the terms of this of this treaty this episode ended maybe more abruptly than any other like (laughs) they beam it down to the planet and then we get an exterior shot of the ship cruising away and a snippet of a captain's log and picard's like we've learned a valuable lesson here about the the sanctity of human life on to the next adventure and that was it. It was like it was a generic show end that they recorded. Right, could it, that could they have could been have just any, used for anything. Yeah. And I think yeah. that speaks to. Um, I was reading some of the production notes for this episode, and they were like doing rewrites on the set for this. Interesting. Like i I wonder, I wonder if they just shot all that they could, and there wasn't any way they could shoot an ending, and that's all they could do. Yeah. Well, for all the failings in terms of like, I didn't think that the silicon entity was well characterized the micro brain i didn't think that was a great character i didn't think the terraforming station was that well designed as a set but for all of the failings i think this episode had like gripped me more Mm -hmm. than some of the previous ones like i was i felt really engaged in the story i felt like there were interesting twists and turns i felt like it was a great uh use of the kind of scientific abilities of the of the crew and you know, like while Picard is doing kind of detective stuff, uh, Data and the Doctor are doing detective science stuff. It was fun. It was fun for me to watch this episode. Yeah, I mean, sci-fi does one of two things. I mean, it's it's either cool space shoot 'em ups or it's discovering alien creatures. And this checked the second box, and they and they did it really well. It was definitely like a fiction of ideas in in the best sense. And it it is a shame that when we finally get to meet the microbrain, it is just it's just like stilted speech and slinging insults and and kind of stupid. It looked like one of those, uh, you know, outside of a pizza parlor, you stick your quarters in and you get that little plastic ball with a with a prize inside. Yeah. And sometimes that prize is like a jelly ring that lights uh-huh. up. Yeah. That's what the uh, microbrain looked like to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely looked like a something that could be had for 50 cents outside Which, of a uh, 
drugstore or pizza parlor. It's weird just because a couple episodes ago you see the crystalline entity and it is amazing and brilliant yeah. looking and and all CG and the CG holds up. It it like they just did an awesome job with that effect. Yeah. And they and they really like they just grabbed something out of the prop department it seemed like for this one. So Yeah. Well, I think that yeah, it was like the kind of thing where it's going to be so small on screen that that they're like not that concerned with what it looks like. It's just supposed to be a point of light, but right, right. the HD resolution is not so kind to that choice. Yeah, I mean this sh- this episode was as strong story-wise as it was weak visually. Yeah, absolutely. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic, so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? You uh, have a Drunk Shimoda for this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Sure. Um, drunk Shimoda is, of course, our award for a character who is acting drunk, silly, or just having a great time. For me, the, the Drunk Shimoda in this episode is the micro rain. I mean, <laughs> I guess you can forgive it since perhaps it has never encountered another intelligent life form itself, but... Hey, like if you're if you're pissed off, like the best way of getting getting what you want is not leading with an insult. Like this thing, it's so belligerent and shitty to them the whole time. Okay, that's a good one. Who's your drunk Shimoda? I didn't have one until maybe ten minutes from the end when she revealed herself to me, uh, like like kismet. <laughs> so the uh, the micro brain has taken over you know the uh, the lab and people are trying to figure out how to how to get in they're locked out they can't right. they can't affect any change to it and in one of the scenes they cut to engineering and there's this old lady in engineering <laughs> who is relating some vital information about what's happening yeah. she is she is maybe 55 years old <laughs> she is an ensign <laughs> And she, she is. She uh, joined up late in life. She, you know, has a place in, of prominence on the engineering team. Like she's she's a part of the team and she's doing stuff. Yeah, and she's, I'm, she is on the radio with the bridge. I I saw her, and I'm like, fifty five year old double divorcee, <laughs> ensign in engineering. You know, starting her life yeah. over. I wanted to know everything about her. Like, yeah, maybe she's doing the steps. You know, she's yeah. She uh, she finally gets a she finally gets a ship. She's off exploring the galaxy. Who knows what her life was like before this? But that sense I, of adventure, that willingness I, to try new things, that feels. I would very... love to see the vision board that got her this far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I just I was really excited for her and happy for her circumstance. And to me, what could be more Shimoda than that? Than than living your dream, living your truth. So. So anonymous lady, anonymous 55-year-old lady in engineering, I salute you. My, is, my drunk Shimoda. That is such a good call, Adam. I think, <laughs> uh, I think you're dead on with that one. <laughs> there are four lights. What do we have coming up next? Next episode is episode 18, Coming of Age. While Wesley endures the grueling Starfleet Academy entrance exam, Captain Picard faces an investigation into his competency as a commander. Oh, you know, I I think I remember something about this episode. This is the first time that we get a really angry admiral uh, 
coming to the ship and accusing Picard of being a bad captain. We get this through the whole series, right? Yeah, Captain Picard is constantly having to defend his his command of the starship of the of the star, excuse me, of the flagship of the Federation. Um I remember there being like some 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 uh interesting like testing stuff going on with Wesley in this. I think this is the episode where like they make him think that he's making kind of a Sophie's choice about which person to save in a disaster at the testing facility. Hmm. And in fact, they're just testing his ability to cope with unwinnable. It's like his Kobayashi Maru type deal where uh, like they, they make him think that uh, that some choice he's going to make is going to lead to one person's death or another. And uh, they want to see how he deals with that. Hmm. I I don't remember any of that part of it i just do remember the the parade of admirals uh who are just very cruel to one captain (laughs) picard the uh the reception said that uh this episode represents the ultimate cliche of the jackass interrogator so i think that's i think they mean that in a in a you know asshole interrogator not in a like the jackass interrogator is like stapling his balls to his inner thigh (laughs) <laughs> and, and snorting wasabi. I think oh, I was, that's a I different kind of jackass interrogator. Somebody who's interrogating a jackass. Oh, right. Yeah, there could be that version too. Uh, neither of those, though. <laughs> I think I think we can be fairly certain. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be great. That'll be uh, on the next episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, if you ever want to reach out, talk to either of us. We're spending entirely too much time on Twitter having conversations using the hashtag greatest gen and uh my twitter hashtag is at cut for time and mine is at benjamin r a h r uh our our show music was created by the great dark materia if you want a copy of that track you can find it in about a dozen websites on the internet do that (laughs) yeah so go get it go get it and uh, drive around in your car listening to it at top volume i think he made a wharf song too i haven't heard that one yet I don't know. The Picard song's the only one for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for this episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, we'll see you next time with a brand new episode and two shameful reviewers to take you through it. I've been Adam Pranica. I've been Ben Harrison. Later. See ya.